0: Welcome to the Peak Human Performance Podcast. The home for those who are serious about unleashing their potential and achieving personal peak performance. Whether you are a high performer, a high-level athlete, or you want to become one, then this is a home for you. Now, here's your host, Riyadh Haysham. Strength Strength, and honor, honor. honor. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Peak Human Performance Podcast. Out of the PHP clinic, the home of peak achievers, executives and athletes alike. Today's episode is a very special one. It's an interview with Crystal Poliquin. Crystal is the daughter of Charles Poliquin, my late mentor. When she heard about my work and me, she decided to get in touch and interview me. She had a very special question to me, mainly how Charles has influenced me to change careers, open up a successful business, write my books, and that all while having a family with four kids. Without further ado, let's get to the meat and nuts.
1: Today with us, we have Riyad Hesham, and I am so excited to learn from him. You have a background in nuclear and chemical engineering. You are also the founder and owner of Peak Human Performance. In addition you have a clinic in malaysia called the strength and performance center and i'm just so excited to learn more about that and all of your background and i'm just so curious as to how you had that background and now to transition to what you do today would you mind telling me about that
0: well first of all thank you very much crystal for inviting me it's literally uh, one of the greatest honors for me to talk to you as the daughter of my mentor when I met Charles in 2014 for the first time, so basically what it happened to me is I, I just realized or started looking into my own potential. So he, he helped me to discover my own potential. So from there on, totally different journey has started for me. And then I was looking in, into changing professions. And then, yeah, so now I find myself as a known of such a business and coach and enjoying what I do and so on and so forth. So it has been a huge and long journey for me to do all of this. But now talking to you, it's like the circle closes itself. And uh, yeah.
1: Because another part of your journey has been becoming an author of a couple books. So you have the Stress Less, Sleep Better. And then you also are a co-author of The Winner's Mindset. Correct. have been such an interesting journey. Also, being an author is a completely different aspect of your career. And I think a lot of people aren't able to branch out like that. So that's another aspect I'd love to hear about, too. But more specifically, in terms of your background, what as an engineer helped you, do you think, become a trainer?
0: OK, I was always into sports. You know? So I was always uh, playing uh, one or many sports at the same time. I did handball, I did basketball, I did, I did martial arts, to. Black Belt in Shotokan and so on and so forth. I was always into sports. In fact, when I wanted to start with, uh, with the studies, when I was uh, ready for the uni, I was thinking about studying uh, sports. But back then in Algeria, sports wasn't really like a profession, recognized profession. So you have to be a doctor, you have to be an engineer and so on and so forth. And yeah, somehow it was at that time, 1992 was the time of the boom of the IT. Then it started with IT, then it went to Germany and then Started with uh, chemical uh, engineering, process engineering. So I think coming back to your question, what helped me really with uh, being a coach or strength coach or performance coach is the ability to handle and analyze data and observe. And I see clients when they come in as a project, so to succeed on, uh, so to help basically them achieving their results. That, that's how I see it. When I design, for example, a system uh, in a nuclear power plant or work on, on, on a functionality, new functionality in, in a process uh, side of a nuclear power plant, you have a huge amount of data you have to think about and safety and, and, and quality and, and so on and so forth. And I think this is, for me, I was able to uh, to transfer this way of, uh, let's say, precise looking into doing things and achieving things into my uh, coaching. So I observe a lot. And what I do, it's um, basically, I look into the weakest links of my clients, and really try to help them where they needed the the most help. And that's where Charles used also to say, when you help people on the weakest links, that's where you see the most of uh, progress. I would say, again, coming back to your question, what helped me uh, being a coach is precision and then handling a load of data, not forgetting, for example, where the clients are with their goals and multiple clients and so on and so forth and coming up always with the best strategy for them, depending on their ability to recover or nutrition or weaklings or whatever challenges they might have to, uh, in life.
1: I definitely think that makes you very distinguishable as a trainer because I, I believe that there's this misconception about coaching that it's so simple when it's really not. There's so many aspects to think about. It's not just a program that you design for a person and that's it. That's It's not just some bare minimum requirement. So I'm amazed and I'm very impressed. And it makes sense Thank that you. your background would contribute in such a positive and effective way.
0: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's about what are the goals? Now? So and how fast you can, and sustainable, you can come to your goals, the goals of your clients. Now? So we, we see trainers with basic, let's say, let's say education training coaching people now right? so it looks like coaching yes but uh, so what are the results so uh, how fast can they help their clients like recover or rehab from their pains and so on wherever you move you have pain somewhere you have limitations somewhere and it's about again so identification of the weakest links and then coming up with a strategy and help the people and and it's also about the experience so for me it's key that my clients have the best experience ever energy. So that's my goal with every client. And if you ask all of my clients, they would tell you. And basically, that's the thing also, which makes for me a bit difficult to grow as a business, because I am a bit careful to hire people. I'm a bit careful to grow. I'm a bit careful to, because of my expectations and because also of the experience I want to give to my clients.
1: That makes sense. I think there's so many different ways people want to be a coach and how Mm. you encourage or motivate or whatever other word you want to describe you know how you talk to and treat your client
0: it makes sense that
1: the way you do it is important to you and so you want to have a consistency throughout your clinic that that absolutely makes sense
0: exactly and especially with the COVID time so we see people even more like uh, having issues or needing support, let's say the mental aspects. So if if people, they are mentally, I have a few clients who are totally off no? so really having uh, like uh, issues mentally no? so some of them they come in and they cannot train because they are so drained from uh, the office works and, and and everyone was locked down and now people are allowed to go to the offices and then they are all stressed out not stressed uh, sleeping properly have not been moving they gained weight uh, they are unhappy and then uh, the stress is like uh, at maximum peaks no? so sometimes they have clients coming in and when I ask them how much they have slept, how uh, are feeling and so on and so I feel, no, uh, we just sit and chat, no training. So, and then I put them into the sauna to sweat a little bit, recover a little bit, and hopefully next time they can. Uh, and that's about, again, so measuring. How is recovery doing? How mentally are people, how strong they are? Are they able to go through uh, their workout? Sometimes they are not. So and that's, that's uh, I think, the flexibility a trainer should, in my, in my opinion, should have uh, in order to really, what are the weak links? What is the thing I need now to do in order to get my client coming out from the, my door as a happy version uh, of themselves? Now, sometimes you cannot train.
1: Yeah. And it makes sense if you really are caring about the efficiency and the effectiveness of what you do, because how effective can something be if you're not even able to give it a hundred percent? Exactly. And then, so when it comes to training, would you say your focus then is more on general population than athletes or a bit of both?
0: Okay. So after the COVID time here in Kuala Lumpur, let's say it's the majority of people, uh, the clients I'm working with are executives. It's just the way the market has, let's say, sh- showed itself, uh, the potential of the market. Let's say the people, general population, uh, they are not yet into this kind of uh, personal coaching. I used more to commercial setups and so on and so forth. They have hard time to understand what I do when they come in or call me in. Even athletes, very tough really to, to get uh, dedicated clients who are willing to commit and change their lives. So the majority of my clients are executives. Executives mainly are expats, people who are well-paid, and people who are health-conscious. And about the 50s, so they have the their health as a motivation to really commit and, and come in at 6am and, and, and th- train and, and commit again with the nutrition and everything else. So this is mainly executive uh, population. So I have a lot of uh, CEOs of big companies here.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense now that you've explained kind of the environment and the market that you have. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to ask you about was with the transition from your engineering to where you are now and Charles was part of that process. When Absolutely. did you first hear about Charles?
0: Okay, right. So I think the first uh, time I, I, I came across uh, Charles uh, was uh, in the UK. I was an um, engineer back then uh, working for the Hinckley Point Power Station. So we were preparing the design documentations and so on and discussing with authorities and with the um, owner of the plant regarding the design of of a nuclear power station. And then I remember very well, it was um, just before Ramadan and always before Ramadan, I like freak out and I start like reading how I should prepare for uh, this Ramadan. It's a huge change. And with the fasting, with the sleeping patterns and so on and so forth, I would not love to lose whatever gain I had. So I would try to every Ramadan to restructure, to test how I Optimize nutrition, sleep and training, uh, timing, stimulus, you name it. And then I was Googling at the time and then I came across a few articles and I had the feeling all of them were like copies from each other except one. So, and that one was referring the author of of, of that article. So I find it quite interesting. And he was also referring to Charles. And from there, basically, I researched Charles and uh, I saw how much of results he had and so on and so forth. And then I said, okay, the first step basically going to a seminar with, with Charles was, yeah, let's just... For myself. So uh, I wasn't thinking about changing my profession. I wasn't thinking about anything of that. So I just said, okay, uh, let's give it a try. Let's, let's really learn this uh, properly from firsthand. And then once I saw Charles, I remember the exposure was so life-changing once he started talking, you just feel like the huge experience he has. And again, so I always say when experienced talk, talk, we, we need to shut up. So I shut up. I listened, I learned, I asked the questions. And then I remember at the end of the second seminar, a few months later, I said, okay, look, this is going to be huge. It's not just something for fun. I believe that's what I'm having in a few years. And I took the decision basically to do all the seminars with Charles and then start the journey of um, profession switch.
1: Wow. So then when it came to, I guess, committing to going to more seminars and learning from him... Was it just the results that convinced you to keep following and investing in his seminars?
0: Well, I think the results is at the beginning. So when you you read, let's say, uh, the curriculum of someone and you see uh, how much of results he was able and different results with different characters, with different people and so on and so forth, then it's something which is like a magnet for you to get you to see, okay, this might be a mentor of mine. So you accept that person as a trustful source of knowledge. An experience, and then basically that get me just closer to him in order to listen and 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 invest in in, in the seminars, time and, and money, no? and but then well I started applying of course, you know, so I was working my engineering uh, job and at the same time after that I would I would coach people with a Colleagues, Uh, it was very funny. It was like paid by my colleagues in the UK in the office. We were about 55 engineers, and I got them into going to the gym uh, midday and so on and so forth. And we started training together. And we were at the end like 12 engineers going to together lunchtime to train. And then it's funny. So they enjoyed, of course, the process, and I I enjoyed as well. So I was I've started like applying the knowledge, getting the feedback, adjusting for me. As he used to say, or Melos as well says. So do it like uh, like Bruce Lee said. No? So learn, adapt it, reject what you don't like, uh, adapt it for you so that it works for you and and and, and for your clients. And that's what I uh, what I started doing back then. I was paid by uh, protein powders by. Uh, i'm in mean, acid powders uh someone gave me he has uh, chickens so he would pay me with eggs every three weeks or whatever <laughs> um another one uh gave me uh, a kindle which i still have and through that kindle i always thank him whenever i talked to him said okay look your kindle i still have it and your kindle allowed me to read all the books i promised charles to read you know? so and um yeah. So that was the experience, basically. So once, once you start applying the knowledge, I have to admit, so my experience with Charles at the beginning as a source was my main source. So I tried to suck everything I could learn and apply, adjust. Then... At a certain uh, time I had the feeling I'm just like repeating what he, uh, he said because his knowledge is so powerful that and I think many many of you are I don't know, uh, trainers fall into uh, this trap as well when they have just one source of as a mentor and then they would just ending up like, repeating what their mentor saying. So I didn't like uh, this uh, this feeling. And I said, no, so I need to go and dig deeper and, and go in 3D and look into other mentors as well. Maybe not uh, as good, uh, successful in many areas as Charles, but people who would uh, be able as well to help me basically develop my own uh, style. No? So yeah, and I once I started looking really also to other mentors and so on and so forth, good as bad. So even from the bad, you learn how not to do things. No? So it's uh, like for me, really, there is like the boom of uh, having my own style. And then now if I have a client coming in, I know somehow, okay, would it be Charles Poliquin or John Meadows or Melo Sachev or Yves Nadeau or this and that, no? And, yeah. and, and basically like this, you can develop your tools and uh, your repertoire of, of uh, techniques.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely amazing. And I I agree with the comment you said earlier that I, I do believe that it is easy for trainers or coaches to fall into just following the lead of one person or one method because it works. Mm, and yep. then you just stick with that. But there's so much you can learn, like you said, from so, the good and bad, because you can choose to learn from something. You can yeah. take it as experience, but you can also yeah. choose to make a lesson. Out yeah. of it, apply yeah. it, and I think yeah. done that, yeah. and that's absolutely amazing yeah. that you've been yeah. able to make your own out of it.
0: Yeah, I, I asked Charles actually, so uh, I think it was like 2015. I said Charles, look, so uh, what do you think? So I, I need to learn also from other people and so on and so forth. Give me names. So when he gave me like a list of six, seven names. I said, okay, go to see those, and then 2016. Between 15 and 16, uh, I did like a journey and went to the US, Canada and so on and so forth and look to learn from those people. So I think it's key to broaden the knowledge because again, so the more you know, the less you know.
1: Yeah. I think you, and Charles was so big on just continually learning because on his own, he would always continue to learn and he would learn from other people. And it's arrogant to assume that you have all the answers. No.
0: Absolutely. So So, uh, this is also something which you really appreciate with Charles. So he was always like a student whenever he discovered someone who knows something more than him, basically, and then he would say that to the world. So it's not like, uh, it's me, 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 me. No, others as well who have other opinions. And yeah, it's a great approach, I I believe.
1: Yeah, it's definitely an important principle to hold on to. And then just in regards to the date reminded me 2015. I know in 2015, you gave Charles a business plan to open a performance center. And I, from my understanding, you used some of his methods. So what were the main points of the plan? And I just want to hear kind of more about your performance center and how that came to be.
0: Look, when I was back then in uh, Bristol, 2014, 15, I had a colleague who was interested in uh, my plan. And then we discussed together whether we should maybe open something which we call maybe a Polyquin Center in in Europe. And then we came up with, at that time, Charles uh, just uh, published his uh, book, Arm, Strength, and Size. And then what we did is we sat for three weeks and then uh, wrote a business plan how this center could be. Basically, we proposed to him, said, okay, so give us the materials you have so we would produce all of those uh, learning materials to teaching uh, trainers and really raising the bar of of, uh, strength coaches in Europe. And then you come in twice a year or three times a year, and then you do the exams with the people. And then they are Polyquin certified. And then just to convince him about our, let's say, precision and and really dedication and uh, about our work. So we took the decision to translate his uh, book into German. So my friend and me, so we translated his, his book and uh, I printed, we printed two versions, physical versions, and then also on a USB stick. I went to uh, Stuttgart, he had the seminars there. And then uh, first day I said, okay, Charles here, so your books. And he was like surprised, said, do you want me to give you an autogram? I said, no, no, open it. And then he opened and he saw it in German, he said, what's going on? So what, what the hell are you doing? And I said, okay, so this is a business plan. We would really like to, it would be a great honor for us to work with you. And then in order to convince you about our precision and and, and let's say ability to work and produce quality documents. So that's your book, go through it. No, he speaks German. So he would be able to evaluate the book. And then I said, okay. So he thanked me. And then said, okay, a second day, uh, let's talk. And so, And we know how fast uh, of a reader Charles is. And the second day at the break of uh, 10 a.m. or whatever during the seminar, he uh, calls me and I go to him and I say, did you have written this business plan alone? I said, no, no, not alone with, uh, with my partner. So, said, no, 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 no. Have you hired someone to write for you this business plan? And then I said, no, we wrote it by ourselves. He looked at me for a few seconds and said, wow, wow wow, I have never seen such a perfect business plan. But look, there are a few mistakes here and there. So numbers, basically, so nothing really major. And then we corrected those numbers and so on and so forth. But somehow, so roads went away from each other and I went to China from there. And then I had, uh, yeah, so uh, again, so an expatriation for the nuclear industry, startup of uh, two nuclear power plants in China and so on and so forth. So then I was uh, busy. And unfortunately, so we know, once he passed away, so it was uh, then for me uh, to come up and and, and see how I opened up my facility by uh, myself. So once I came to uh, Asia, basically, I fell in love in With the weather and so on and so forth, I could not imagine to go back to cold Europe. And then, uh, (laughs) yeah, ended up in uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia.
1: Wow. Those stories were amazing. That was very fun to listen to. And then, so with your current business plan and how that's developed and creating your own facility, equipment is very important. And I know that was very important to Charles. So I was just curious if there was any influence from him. When it came to your equipment setup in your new facility, or what you would value, as yeah. or like what you would consider important for a facility,
0: I remember when I asked Charles uh, about the equipment, he said, "Look, so the best thing you could have to invest in is the dumbbell set because that's robust thing which needs to be there, uh, big with small increments, and that's the seller." No, so then in terms of equ- equipment, he checked my list of equipment. I had different combinations. I did uh, like an Excel sheet with combinations of uh, this, manufacturer with this, or this and that, and so on. I had different, depending on the packages, depending on the pricing and so on. So I could not just say, okay, uh, I go for one brand or two brands. And then if the price of the other combinations is better, because uh, at the end of the day, it's about the price quality as well, but price as well. So. And um, yeah, I was very lucky. So Charles helped me uh, to get in touch with the uh, two main uh, suppliers. Then I had one uh, who supplied me with uh, all the specialist uh, bars. And then the funny thing, which uh, no one really knows, is uh, the dumbbells. So I was quite unhappy. And I was, sincerely, I owned all of them, all the, all the pro- producers. I was very, very upset from the quality of the dumbbells. And I was, because I was in China, so I was able basically to produce anything I would like to, but I could not find a supplier a Chinese supplier to help me develop uh, like a prototype and work with me in this uh, like development phase and so on and so forth for, for the dumbbell. Now, so I rather did a bad experience. I gave them the data and then basically they didn't want to give me the drawings anymore. So uh, therefore trust is very difficult. <laughs> yeah, but then luckily enough, so my friend who helped me write the business plan for Charles and uh, translate his book, uh, came up and called me and said, okay, Riyadh, look, so I would like to, would love to uh, pursue your idea of producing dumbbells. I said, okay, please go ahead. I give you everything I know. So no issue for me, uh, because I, w- I know I would not be able to, to, to do it by myself. No, so I could not find partners in China. So go ahead. And then uh, we ended up producing, for me, the Swiss watch of dumbbells. So the most precise I ever had in, uh, in hands. And I'm very, very hopeful that this brand will do great.
1: Can you tell me kind of a little bit more about the dumbbells and why they're the switch watch of dumbbells?
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Basi- basically, uh, from the experience of coaching and so on and so forth, we implemented few changes in like a typical design from the brands we know. No? So we, we implemented a few things. First of all, are the materials. No? So the materials are of highest steel grade. OK, so then uh, the bearings, the bearings are very important for a dumbbell. So we are using bearings from the automotive, German automotive industry. So these are the best bearings out there you can get. Then uh, laser welding. Then, for example, the logo plate, no, no screws anymore to destroy your shorts or whatever. So without yeah. any screws, they look uniform. They look they look amazing. So when you have them in hands, every client of mine takes those dumbbells. It's like, oh, they, they look like jewelry. No? So, okay, now I know what Charles would say, say you are only training with those. No? But still, if you invest so much of, uh, let's say, money, and if it should survive a nuclear war, as, as uh, Charles used to say, so I would re- rather prefer really to have uh, those dumpers rather than investing in something which I would not like.
1: No, that absolutely makes sense. And it definitely ties into... How you want to present your facility and the services you provide yeah, yeah. i know earlier you mentioned that there was a sauna mm-hmm. what other services are a big part of how you train people and just how you run the facility as a
0: whole i tried to simplify what i learned from from charles and all the mentors and basically from my own experience into what i call the three pillar principle. so i co- i talk about first pillar being recovery uh, which includes uh, sleep and stress management. Then second pillar is nutrition. Here, I like to talk about a preventive approach to nutrition. Sometimes I use the wording functional medicine, but I like the preventive approach. You know? So then the third pillar is resistance training, individualize all of them. You know? So then in terms of uh, sauna, something is the last tool I, I, I bought. It's uh, really the portion among uh, saunas, and my client just love it. Again, so I'm all about, I remember Andre Benoit uh, asking people, trainers, so what's the, let's say, the measurement or the measuring parameter you look into to achieve results with your clients? No? So, uh, and people would say, okay, whatever. So strength and this and that and so on and so forth. And you said, no, it's about happiness of the client. So I'm all really about the experience and the happiness of my client. And I think the sauna fits there perfectly. Uh, after, for example, uh, a, a strong strength session, they go into the uh, sunlight and sauna. It's a sauna which runs at fifty-four degrees Celsius. Sorry, I don't know how much in Fahrenheit that is. But no, it, I, it's, I, it's, all good. <laughs> it's it's rather low. So the finished sauna is double that, you know, so roughly. You know, so it's double the okay. temperature. After the, you, you do the sa- uh, finished sauna, you are dead. So you do it on on a Sunday, and then you go to sleep until Monday. You know? So <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, full spectrum. So they use built-in elements which are emitting mid, far. near infrared no other sauna does that and basically what 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 happened is uh, you run at 54 degrees again so half of the finished sauna so it's it's not hot at all it's quite comfortable Uh, and then you can read a book or use your phone if you are okay with that and really like relax it has also like a tablet so you can i usually put the kindle there and then would just read my book in dark modus and switch off all the lights. It has also chromotherapy, so light therapy. It's really a, a great experience. Again, so my clients would, for example, executive clients, they come, come in at 6 a.m., they train and then they take a shower, a short, short shower, go into the sauna for 40 minutes and then have a breakfast, have a strong coffee and go to work. It's like amazing experience.
1: That sounds like an amazing experience. And, and also, one like, sorry I to ahead. interrupt.
0: One one thing before I forget. It's really amazing helping to detoxify. And so you see, not with every client, but after uh, so few clients you see after the session, you have like gray spots on on the white towel. These are to- toxins, like gray spots. It's amazing at detox rate of 20% each. Uh, session, the finished sauna has roughly something uh, 2% detox rate. No, So wow. you, yeah, it's amazing. So you, and you will see also much better results with that because when, once you detoxify, you bypass the liver, uh, force the toxins out of the skin, uh, take ro- directly a shower. So you don't risk to reabsorb the toxins. It's something which helps with, especially with people again, with, uh, who have uh, like a higher toxicity, uh, exposure. No?
1: Wow. That sounds absolutely amazing. And then you get to target all these other factors that come into a client's performance and general health. And like you said, happiness.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So it does seem like sleep is obviously a very important pillar for you. And I want to know why sleep is so important, because that's obviously part of your book, the stress less sleep better. So Mm
0: -hmm. can you
1: tell me a little bit more about that?
0: Sure. So I would say if someone eats a bad food or have a bad meal and comes, I can train them. If they just train and they come in, I might be able to train them. If they are injured, you might always be able to train. But if they sleep like or not sleep, imagine someone who comes in, I haven't slept yesterday night and I want to train. So you cannot train them. So therefore, for me, the top priority and the question I ask every client when they come in, how is sleep? They would say, oh, good from one to when interrupted, non-interrupted. I ask them, let's say, about the quality. Oh no, it's six and a half and I woke up twice and I have to adapt my training stimulus. I cannot just push them that day as much as I would like to. No? So therefore for me, sleep is, is uh, the foundation on, of any health transformation. In fact, when I started writing with exposure to Charles and all the strength coaches and so on and so forth, I started to write about strength training. No? And then after I remember something like 20,000 words, I realized with my exposure, with the coaching I was uh, doing back then in 2016 and 2016, the weak link is not training. The weak link is sleep. So I said, okay, it doesn't make sense now to talk about training if uh, sleep is an issue. No? So I stopped that project and then said, okay, let's write about sleep. No? So therefore, stress less sleep better. The first book covering the first pillar, which is recovery, sleep, and stress management
1: why do you think so many people struggle with sleep? Because obviously it's a factor that affects a lot of people. Otherwise, why would you bring it up? So do you think there's a lot of commonalities between your clients when it comes to their sleep issues?
0: Yeah. I I think if you ask everyone about the importance of sleep, they would always say, yeah, it's important. It's very important, but what are you doing for it? Not much. So I think the majority, especially of the office people, they would fall into the trap. I have a lot to do. I don't have time to go early to bed. Oh, let's finish this one first. Let's finish that, that one then second. And then they end up going late, wake up late, and then their performance is down. So I try to teach basically to say, look, so you don't go to a race with a car, which is not maintained properly. So you go with a car, which is maintained properly. So Don't use your brain in the worst timing, an evening, okay? When you had a lot of experience to go through throughout the day, and a lot of information to process and so on and so forth, it's not the right time to be productive. So the best time to be productive, an early morning with fresh neurons, and then you will see you will be much efficient at that. I agree. There are people, what we call the chronotypes, so the early birds or uh, people who would be rather active in the evening, and they have been doing it since a long time. And it's for them, it's quite tough to change. And they would maybe don't even think about changing. But in my book, I I talk also about epigenetics, and that we are able to change our behavior. So we, if we look into the research, we we, we see that people who are early risers are the happiest, and they have the longest life expectation.
1: Wow, I didn't know that. Okay. So When it comes to helping your clients with sleep, it's more aimed at changing Mm -hmm. their habits rather than using any additional supplements or like other supports to kind of aid sleep.
0: Yeah, I actually work in combination, really, as I told you at the beginning. So I, I always look into the weakest links of my clients and then. Try to dock in and help where where they need the most of help, and then then we we go to the next priority. No? So it's a combination of techniques. In my book, I uh, list really everything which has been proven for me to work for me and my clients. Uh, for sure, I use supplements as well. I use like a cascade of supplements. I as Charles or any other trainers were also using, you you don't shoot with all the tools you have. So you start maybe, first of all, with a good quality magnesium. You, ideally, it's like a three-on-eight. Then you see, you work on the timing. Some people need it a little bit earlier. Some people need it just before bed. So you just like, get this into phase, then maybe you need to adjust the concentration. Some people, if they take maybe a higher dosage, then they are knocked out in the early morning and then they cannot function anymore. That's obviously too much. Or some others, it's not sufficient for them. So I just two days ago got from a client of mine because 700 was too uh, little for him. 1,400 milligram was too much for him. So I, we compounded for him 400 milligrams. So basically to combine 700 with 400, hopefully this one will fit uh, properly. And then again, so I have a cascade of uh, supplements and until we really go step-by-step, step, you know, So and then until we we, we are able to fix uh, sleep properly. Fix sleep properly means if we look into the research, it needs to be between seven and a half and eight and a half hours for nado. And then we okay. w- with age, this number will decrease. I always say to my clients, work do everything in order to get it uh, higher it will decrease anyway it will not increase later on so and if you go in with in a 40s let's say with the six it won't be a, a higher than in the 50s and 60s no? so do everything in order to really push that number rather higher no? so people have sleep less
1: that makes sense then with your cascade of supplements too because everyone is so individual mm-hmm. and so then when you do find the weakest links from client to client it makes sense that you would you're not always going to have the same plan or propose the same supplements and same routine for each yeah. person.
0: Yeah. The, the, let's say I, I have to admit, so the, the, I have a difficulty with people who have been in use, long-term use with hard drugs. With those people, it's a tough thing. So uh, their brains got used to this uh, medicine and uh, it's very, very uh, ch- challenging to get them out mentally to stop with this medication. Uh, not easy.
1: That absolutely makes sense, because if your brain's acclimated to a certain way, whether it's a habit or a substance, and the process is going to differ from person to person based on what they were experiencing or using, so I could see how that would propose it, have a possible challenge.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: So moving on to another pillar, I want to talk about your third pillar, which is a lot of I believe the focus is resistance training. And I was just curious, what did Charles teach you about resistance training specifically? I know there's probably a big question with a big answer, but <laughs> the yes. best you can.
0: Yeah, yeah. S- sincerely, I have to admit everything. No? So in terms of uh, resistance training, I think it's all about individualization. That's the key point. No? So asking people to do the same thing It's not going to work, at least not long term, and for sure not produce the best results. So, yeah, I I feel that I'm uh, applying to maybe 70%, 80% of my clients, the athletic way of coaching people, screening, uh, looking into the uh, weak links, trying to get people balanced, Rehabilitation and then working really looking into the performance parameters and then trying to getting them uh, again stronger or losing fat or whatever their their goals might be. No? So I feel that I'm adapting the athletic way or the athletic let's say style of Charles to to coach his uh, his athletes to expose my clients into it. So I always say it's about picking up the client where they are right now. No? So and then it should be a healthy progression without overexposure otherwise there's the risk of injury no? and right. uh, and also not uh, it shouldn't be like a warm up no? so be always a warm up no? so i tell them if you can talk during your set it's a warm up again so I, I learned a lot so that's a short question but basically the answer for that is really everything to the polyquin style which i learned uh, mainly from charles but as well i have to uh, give credit to to andre andre for me, André Benoît, no? just when he talks, it's like over the clouds. Some people would not understand. And Sicily, with my English, uh, when I started with him, sometimes I, had, I have hard time to understand what he He's to the point. And sometimes it's just a little bit too concentrated for me. So, yeah. and uh, when I started with seminars with André, and I think I did with him, twice, uh, once in Southampton in UK and, and, and later on in Hong Kong, he told me something which, which resonated with me very well. So he told me, look, so Charles is above the clouds. Not many people can really understand 100% what he's talking about. Uh, however, there are people like, of course, of his humbleness, he hasn't uh, counted himself uh, with the people, but he was talking about other people uh, who are where students of Charles, they give that knowledge, let's say, for average people to understand. So and André for, was for me, the perfect teacher as well, because he has the knowledge, he will, had enough exposure to Charles, and he has the polyquin style. And he is again, he's a great teacher to learn from, because he takes time to teach you and will not give up on you until you. Uh, he makes sure that you really understood. And many others, as uh, Christian Maurice or Uh, other trainers as well. I learned from.
1: Okay. Thank you for sharing that with me. I also know that something I believe you're a fan of as well is grip training. Hmm. And I was wondering what kind of led you to that as well?
0: Well, I have to admit, so I would not found this out by myself. So it's something which I, uh, as any other trainer as well, got it from Charles And I would say if I have learned something really, really, really super valuable for for me and for my clients from Charles is use of grip training in order to work on uh, imbalances. So I have, for example, a few clients, two two athletes and a a Malaysian international team of badminton and you know badminton like asymmetric sports no they are very strong with the leading hand in, in fact one of them is a little bit older and she used to go to the gym and do a, a biceps curls only with the leading hand the, the weaker hand she would not take care of it she doesn't need it. No? So amazing and amazing asymmetry between right and left and so on and so forth. And it translates to the legs and the whole body. No? So uh, I think the use of grip training, that's something which I learned from uh, Charles would help greatly with uh, asymmetries. No?
1: I could definitely see how that would be a very important part of your program when it comes to clients. Mm-hmm. I feel that even outside of just an athletic scope, you have a lot of people who just have asymmetry because they sit all day at work and their hips are uneven or past injuries that they don't even think about. So it makes sense that creating symmetry through grip training or whatever you want to use, I can see how that's a very important factor.
0: Absolutely, you have to have the tools, you know, and a variety of training. So when people come into my gym and they see it's so much of variety, so much of tools, and so on and so forth, they, they, they are like, scary. it looks like like a to- torture house." You know? So when when we start somehow using those tools and so on, aha okay, they they start to understand how, let's say, of an experience it is to do the same movement but with different implements. They they start to understand the reason behind.
1: That makes sense. One thing I know that is obviously pretty important when it comes to training and recovery is stress. And I know that also would have an effect on your sleep. And I know that's something you discuss in your book. So I was curious about what other problems, if I haven't mentioned, or you could dive further into what problems are associated with stress and how that can affect your health and athletic performance.
0: Well, stress, I believe we need stress in order to develop and become stronger. So it's just the myth of uh, people thinking of uh, removing all stress together. So removing all stress together means you stay weak and you get weaker, even weaker. So we need stress, whether it's emotional stress, whether it's physical stress, whatever. So we need stress in order to grow. And again, it's all about mindset as well, how I take it. Should I take it as a challenge, survive, come out stronger, and so make sure that uh, the next time I don't fall into... Uh, such a trap, or do I see myself as a victim and don't do anything about it? And yeah, I'm giving up no? So, however, uh, I think it's important to be aware about uh, the stresses. I, I would say that many people do not know all their stresses, and I believe that uh, stress which is self inflicted, stress which is self induced and which we should try to get in under control, and then a stress which we cannot really control. Uh, so if you have kids, uh, if you have a business, if you have this and that, and so on, sometimes it's not easy to just like run out no? so or run away. So uh, what I do, or my approach in uh, in my book, I have to admit, when I started writing about stress, I even didn't want to read anything about stress until I finished my own idea. I didn't want, let's say, other ideas to influence mine. And then I came up with what I call the Emitter Receptor Approach. And the Emitter Receptor Approach looks into the Emitter side as stressor. So it could be the environment, it could be the social field, it could be persons, it could be a Wi-Fi router, it could be artificial light, it could be mold, it could be nutrition we are taking. Uh, and I tried to identify six different sources. Of stress, and then give techniques to how to handle the stress. That's the emitter side. And then, of course, we cannot neglect ourselves. So I work on strengthening and raising the stress tolerance we have uh, in order to be able to cope better with stress. So use stress to get stronger. Put ourselves in situations or positions which are easier on us. And again, so it's it's all about education. So once I know that the during night time who, who needs the router? Okay. So during evening time, who needs that bright blue light? Okay. So and then again if, if people are aware about their main stresses, then they start working on it. So if I'm for example renting a house or a flat or uh then I would go and say okay what are where are the do you have smart meters here? Do you have where is where is the cable? Where is the uh, as just lately about eight months ago, I had to move flats and I saw, I got pictures from a house, beautiful. And then I see just behind it's like a, a house, electrical house of a transformer, a huge thing. I said, okay, thank you very much. When you have that knowledge and you know what are your stresses, uh, you are more likely to do the right uh, decisions, take the right decisions in order to get stress under control.
1: Okay. And then in other, so you present practical ways to manage your stress, build up a tolerance to stress, so on and so forth. Do you also suggest any supplements to kind of aid with stress management to whatever degree that means?
0: Let me maybe answer the the question a little bit broader. Uh, I would say my first tool to handling stress is beside of uh, education, letting the people identify their stresses, is sleep. The first thing is that's where we reset that's where, for example, the body would reverse the reversible effects of uh, the EMF uh, effects on us. That's where we detoxify. That's where we recover and so on and so forth. So getting sleep properly uh, will uh, ultimately help to reduce stress. It's like for me, as, as a number I would say, okay, that's uh, 80% of the stress will uh, will be better. And your stress tolerance for the day after would be uh, much better. Okay, that's the first tool. Then, okay, in terms of supplements, I would say, uh, I learned, for, for example, from Charles the, um, the uh, TCM, Chinese uh, Traditional Medicine. There are uh, the specialties to regenerate the uh, uh, adrenals. And um, the, the, there is also, for example, ashwagandha as well, which can be used to uh, reduce cortisol. Um, then, for example, also not taking uh, stimulants too late. I would say, for example, my rule is uh, no caffeine whether in coffee coffee or in in tea after 12, depending on on a person's. And then magnesium is something which would reduce the cortisol in PM time. So these are the tools I would use, a combination of techniques or supplements for for really uh, uh, handling stress.
1: Okay. I think that a lot of people don't consider sleep enough to be a factor as a way to reduce stress. I mean, just as you were explaining it, I realized that I even dismissed it for a moment. So I think it's really important for people to know how essential that is, not just for their training, but also for just stress management and general happiness and health. So that yeah. makes absolute sense.
0: Yeah. Um, well, uh, sorry to interrupt, uh, Crystal. So I, I I would say, again, I took I took six months to research the positive as well as the negative effects on, on sleep, right? So I would say, recap all of this in uh, one sentence, uh, sleep, done right, all health and parameters are uh, massively improved, done wrong, all of them on all kinds of diseases can be triggered.
1: Okay. And then when it term in terms of doing it wrong, you can, you know, not get enough sleep is, can you also oversleep and cause uh, imbalances that way?
0: Yes, according to one research, there are not many research on uh, sleeping longer. Uh, if I remember, well, there is one, one research I list in the book where uh, above beyond nine and a half is unhealthy. Yeah, uh, it's something which we should uh, also re- reduce. But again, so the majority of people are rather sleeping less than uh, longer. Uh, from all my clients I had, I had a guy. I had one uh, guy who was uh, like sleeping nine and a half. He was at the, at the edge. Uh, yeah, but the the training was really tough and and I think he needed it as well. It was good for him.
1: Absolutely. That makes sense. There was one more thing I want, another thing I want to ask about, and that was your Pearl of Wisdom series mm-hmm. where you interview experts in your field. I was just curious how you came to create that. And I know you inter- had an interview with Charles, I believe at one point, but I just want to hear more about how that came to be. Mm-hmm. And so on.
0: I think it was really just uh, like the hazard. I I, I had my uh, camera always uh, with me. And one day I just asked Charles whether he would like to uh, have an interview. And he said, yes, uh, let's do it. No, no issue. No? So we we did that. And then... In another seminar, I we were together with uh, Ed Cohen and Matt Wening, and I said, "Okay, let's do an uh, interview with uh, every one of them." So it's rather really like a uh, uh, coincidence. No? So I had the camera. I said, "Okay, let's let's uh, uh, interview people and so on and so forth." And it's something which I would like to pursue, but right now with my actual business here after COVID time and so on and so forth, I'm the only actor, so I'm doing everything here. So. From coaching, from to barista, to sales, to video making, to video editing, everything I'm doing, and I'm enjoying every second. But I hope I will have the time once I have the right staff with me and grow the team to pursue this series and uh, especially the podcast, the Peak Human po- Podcast, and invite really uh, like-minded people and mentors and so on, and and dig deep into the the science and, and uh, yeah and health and so on.
1: I really hope that's. Yeah. Going to happen sometime in the future because that's something I would most definitely be interested in. And yeah. I think a lot of people would. Thank you. Um, there's one more question before we wrap things up. All I right. just want to ask what do you want people to know about Charles?
0: Wow, that's a powerful question. For me, I say I would like people to know him for what he was, what he did for the community, the strength community, and trainers. And that he revolutionized the, uh, the strength and conditioning world. I myself call him whenever I introduce him, and people ask me, and so on. I said, okay, my main mentor is the Einstein of uh, strength and conditioning. So I think people will always remember Charles as the guy who brought in uh, methodologies which work to produce the best results.
1: Wow, that was quite an eloquent answer. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, um, we do have to wrap things up, which sadly, but I just want to say thank you so much for today's interview. It's been such an honor and it's been such an amazing time to learn so much from you.
0: Thank you very much, Crystal. It was my honor again to close the circle. And uh, yeah, so it was a great time and, and, and discussing and again, so revealing few things which not many people would be re- uh, has known relationship between me and Charles and the business we wanted to do and so on and so forth. So it was great time. Thank you very much for this opportunity.
1: Of course. Thank you as well.
0: And here we go. Thank you for listening so far. You know now maybe more about Charles and I mean, I am just a student of his. There are so many people out there, great people, who have discovered their own potential, who have become a better version of themselves, and they are continuing to help other people to reach their potential. I call those people, those students of Charles, once he passed away, Ronin's. If you remember what Ronin's or you check for the word Ronin's, I think he's coming from Japan, from Japanese language. And those are the Samurais were helping or protecting the life of the Emperor. And wherever the Emperor would die, those people would never be hired from the next Emperor again because they are not trusted. They are masters of their craft, but then they would go out and be dangerous out there. So I think I do this analogy because I think once uh, Charles uh, passed away, there are so many students who have now gained that knowledge and that knowledge, as he himself was talking about Bruce Lee, learn, take the best, reject the the things which are not so good and come up with your own thing. And that's what every one of us for sure is doing. So if you want to achieve best results in terms of body composition in terms of strength in terms of posture in terms of whatever your goals might be the best chess player the best vertical jumper the strongest man or woman there out there doing marathon rehab always look for a polyquin oriented coach with that i hope you enjoyed the session take care of yourself again of your sleep of your nutrition and never miss a session to getting stronger. Thank you very much for listening. And see you on next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Peak Human Performance Podcast. Until next time, stay strong, strength, strength and honor, honor.